Good morning, everyone. This is what uh, the scripture reading says this morning, uh, starting in on verse 17. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. And we know that the Lord will add his blessing to this reading from Holy Scripture. Thanks very much, Hilton. Imagine for one moment that you've grown up in the, the highlands of Scotland. You've enjoyed fresh air, beautiful scenery, um, good golf courses, rain. Um, and you were sent to fight in the trenches in the First World War. Instead of heather and thistles, locks and mountains, there's just mud and bomb craters and the stench of death. How do you respond? I was going to show a clip from a video, but I think we'll skip that. But uh, the video is from Joyeux Noel. And what happens is you've got a group of Scottish soldiers in the trenches and they get the bagpipes out and they sing the song, I'm dreaming of home. I'm dreaming of home. That is how you respond. You dream of home, you dream of a better place. You look forward to when you'll be there. And that is what we should be doing if we are Christians here this morning, dreaming of home. Because this world is not our home. This is a temporary place where we are staying for just a short while. And the passage this morning gives us a great insight into the life to come. And hopefully will enable us to cope with the challenges which... um, Uh, we will face in this life at some stage. We've come to the end of our series in Isaiah, and I hope that you've enjoyed it. hope you found it helpful. I hope it's helped you to come to to know God better and to, to love him more. In recent weeks, we've seen the privilege it is to be a part of God's people, the blessings that we can expect Um, In Isaiah 62, we read, He has clothed me with garments of salvation 
and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. It says, you'll be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. And last week in Isaiah 64, we looked at the prayers of his people, how they started with praise. I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us. And last week we also looked at the choice that we all face. Will we follow ourselves and reject God? In which case we were told you will cry out from anguish of heart and wail in brokenness of spirit. Or will we follow God? And in which case we will eat, we will drink, we will rejoice, we will sing out of the joy of our hearts. Well, this week we carry on with that theme of God's blessing for his people. And it's fitting to end on a note of hope. Because um, throughout Isaiah we've had passages interspersed with warnings of, of judgment. And even in these last chapters that is the case. But this morning we're focusing on the second half of chapter 65 which Hilton read for us on the new heavens and the new earth and one of the confusions sometimes about heaven is, is um, the idea that when we leave this, this, this life we will somehow float on a cloud somewhere um, but that's not actually the language that the Bible uses the Bible talks about God recreating it creating, making again a new heavens and a new earth so there will be change this won't be the same old, same old, but there will also be continuity, some similarity with the earth as we know it. We will receive new bodies, we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, as Jesus received a new resurrection body when he came back to life. And we could spend ages speculating on what these new heavens and new earth will look like, but let's just have a look at what the passage tells us, because although it doesn't describe the physical features of it, it does tell us what we most need to know. Three key things of which state a positive of what it will be like and a negative of what it won't be like. Those things that will no longer be there. And the first thing we read is that there will be permanent joy and no sadness or death. We will all hopefully have had some experiences of joy. Maybe it's the joy of achievement. Maybe opening a that envelope with your exam results, which our recent graduates have, uh, have just done. Congratulations, by the way, to, uh, to Elliot Kratt and to, uh, to Rob Finley. You may not know, but Rob's been doing an OU course the last few years and uh, has got his degree. Don't know how he found the time to do it, but uh, amazing work. Well done. But the joy of achievement can quickly disappear. A more long-lasting joy is that of relational joy. Next Friday, Adam and Juliana are getting married in Romania. And they'll be celebrating their wedding. It'll be a great day of joy, we hope. But also, hopefully, the start of a lifetime of joy. David and Rita Turner celebrated their golden wedding anniversary last week. 50 years of married life together. Now, unfortunately, because of the fallen world in which we live, not every one of those days would have been full of joy. We enjoy our friends, we enjoy our family, um, but relationships are never perfect because we are not perfect. And so even between good friends and family members, there will be from time to time tensions and frustrations. But just imagine if it was permanently 
joyful. No frustrations, no tensions, because this is the image we have here. Have a look at verse 18. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. There will be uninterrupted joy. And there'll be joy in in that place that God will create. There'll be joy in his people. He will make, we will make him happy. As Christians, uh, we know something of that deeper joy. We, we, We know that we are saved. We know we have a heavenly hope. We know we have a Father who who loves us. We know we have a future to look forward to. So what are the things that prevent us from experiencing that joy now? It's the things of this fallen world that cause us pain and sadness. And one of the greatest things being death. I conducted a funeral this past week for a lady who lived in the village um, almost all of her life. Uh, One of her daughters lost her husband just a couple of months ago and now lost her mother. Uh, the night before the, uh, the funeral, one of the other daughters lost her mother-in-law. Um, on the day of the funeral, uh, the daughter, the granddaughter who was going to give the tribute had a seizure. That whole family was, was battered. Um, and the grief and the sadness were very evident. But the new heavens and in the new earth, we're told in verse 19, the sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. There will no longer be untimely death if you turn over the page. Never again, it says, will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days. The infant mortality rate in this country has fallen dramatically over the past 250 years. In the 18th century, it was as high as about 200 per thousand Uh, Now it's more like four per thousand. But for those who experience it, and there may be some here, it is heartbreaking. And then there's also the loss of miscarriage again, which is much more frequent. In the new heavens and the new earth, death will be wiped out completely. If you read on, the the next verses imply that there will still be death. The one who dies at 100 will be thought a mere child. But it's really just poetic language because um, it's saying that actually in this life, if you live to 100, you've reached the end. You can't almost go much beyond that. But if, you, if there were death in the new world, if you live to 100, you would just be an infant. It's using that contrast. There will be no more special special messages from the queen in the new heavens and the new earth there will be permanent joy no more sadness or death there will also be permanent security and no futility and no displacement we've mentioned before in this series how there are different levels of prophecy Um, how one level Isaiah is preaching to those um, who will find themselves in the future in exile. Uh, And they will want the encouragement of knowing there is a a future to look forward to. What do they need to hear? They need to hear that they still belong to God's people. That one day they will live back in their land in security, in peace. 
But people today need to hear that as well, don't they? Many people have experienced the, the trauma of fleeing their homes in fear of their lives. It's estimated that 3.3 million people in Iraq alone have been displaced by ISIS. More than 3.8 million Syrians have fled to neighboring states. Another 7.6 million are displaced inside the country itself. That includes tens of thousands of Palestinian refugees in, in Yarmouk, in that camp near Damascus. And there's a picture, I think, coming up of that. Um, these are people queuing for food in the front line of war. A terrible image. Last week we had our gift day, didn't we, for, um, for Nigeria, where John and Abby have recently visited um, towns that have been affected by by Boko Haram. And John describes in his, um, his letter uh, a, moving, a moving moment in the Sunday morning service. He says, when women sat on, their ground, on the ground with their hands on their heads, swaying from side to side, singing a song about the loss of their churches, their homes, their husbands, and their sons. And tears just flowed silently. There's no guarantee that any of these people will have security and peace again in their lifetimes. But have a look at verse 21. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. Again, this is poetic language of what it will be like in the new heavens. Imagine what it will be like to build a house and stay in it. To not fear that you have to grab your things and, and go at any moment. To plant a vineyard is, is a long-term investment. Apparently it takes, as I'm told, 12 years for a, uh, a vine to, to produce uh, good quality wine. You don't plant vineyards if you think you're going to be moving pretty quickly. But it's not just about physical security here. It's also about fulfillment, the lack of futility. Many of you here may have very satisfying jobs. Maybe doing what you always wanted to, to do. Or if not, at least it's still quite an interesting job. It still pays quite well. Young people here may be thinking, I wonder what career I'm going to do in the future. I'm going to do something that gives me fulfillment and satisfaction. There may be others here who actually have no fulfillment in their jobs or maybe are out of, out of work. There are many people throughout the world who have very unsatisfying jobs but just keep going for the sake of survival, of having money to feed themselves and their families. Apparently about 2.2 billion people in the world live off less than $2 a day, that's nine pounds a week. Well, in this world, we were told that after the full work would be hard, but again, it won't be like this in the new heavens and the new earth because it carries on. As the days of a, for as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands, they will not labor in vain nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. 
at one extreme to work and not see anything for your labor is to be a slave. And sadly, slavery does still exist in this world, even in this country, uh, notably in the, in the sex trade. But it could just be exploitation when people are paid very little for what they do. In Ethiopia, as we were visiting there, you could see some of the women doing the hard work of uh, digging the, the ditches and some of the men just hanging around chatting and watching them. I'm sure they long for the day when they will produce something which they can enjoy. For those who have no prospects and see no prospects for any children they may have in the future, that must be really tough, mustn't it? A couple of years ago, Unilever brought out a a video, and it was called, Why Bring a Child into This World? Described their project uh, to to help improve the lives of um, uh, of many people, many children throughout the world. Uh, The video included some expectant, real expectant parents, uh, sharing their hopes and fears for their their children. Started with um, footage of of violence, scenes of despair, but moved into a positive message of hope if we all work together and by their soap. In the new heavens and the new earth, there will not be that sense of despair. Not having to wonder if it will ever get better, if my next generation or the generation after that, it will be better. In the new heavens and new earth, it will be better. As it says in 1 Corinthians 12, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why? Well, in the future, there won't be a need for faith and hope. Faith, um, as it says in Hebrews, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. In the future, we will see it. We will see God face to face. We no longer will need to have faith and hope it will be fulfilled in his presence. We will be there meeting with him. And as it says here, before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. Or finally, you'll be characterized by permanent peace and no violence or destruction. World peace, I guess, is something we all dream of. Um, And the closer we are to a a conflict zone, the greater we may see the the need, the urgency for it. It wasn't until 9-11 that the US woke up to the fact that they are not immune to attack on their own territory. In this country, we recently uh, commemorated the loss of uh, lives in the terrorist attack 10 years ago on 7-7. We mourned the death of British tourists in Tunisia. The world, in particular the Middle East, is a complex, it's a dangerous place. And despite the many attempts over the years, we wonder if there will ever be peace in that place. But turn back to the beginning of the book of uh, of Isaiah, back to chapter 2. And see what the vision was that um, Isaiah was given in verse 2. Actually, in verse 3. Many peoples 
will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The Lord will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. If you go back to chapter 65, right at the end of the book, we're told in verse 25, the wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat straw like the ox and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on my holy mountain, says the Lord. The wolf, the lion, the serpent, three animals that signify violence, and they will be tamed. The wolf will not feed on the lamb, the the wolf will feed with the lamb. There won't be an expression, cry wolf anymore, because wolves won't attack. The lion won't feed on smaller animals, but like them will feed on vegetation. The serpent won't bite and poison other animals or people anymore. Imagine if you lived in an area of conflict, waking up and instead of hearing the sound of gunfire, hearing the sound of birds singing, children playing. Imagine turning on the news and not one of the stories is about uh, war or murder or violence. Imagine as a child you wake up and instead of the usual shouting and screaming and fighting in the home, there is peace. When we read of the serpent eating dust, we may recall what God said in the book of Genesis after the fall. This was his promise. He said, Curse to the serpent. Are you above all livestock and all wild animals? You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That was a promise that God would one day deal with the problem of sin and evil. The serpent, the devil, would strike the heel of the woman's offspring, Jesus, but he would crush his head. He would overcome sin and death forever. And it's because of that conquest over sin and death that we can trust God, that when Jesus comes again, he will wipe it out forever. There will be no more violence. There will be no more destruction. As we come towards the end, is where there is permanent joy and no sadness or death. Home is where there is permanent security and no futility or displacement. Home is where there is permanent peace and no violence or destruction. But what do we do with all this? Well, as we started out right at the beginning of the service of the sermon, we dream of home. We dream of home, particularly when things are tough in this life. 
be encouraged that it won't always be like this. And even when things are going well, when you get glimpses of goodness and things you can really take away from this life, just remember that's just a glimpse. The future is going to be far better. The best is yet to come. Dream of home, prepare for home. Don't allow yourself to be, to be conformed to this world or be taken in by the lies of the world. Live as though you were at home. It may feel like you're in the trenches, but you can still live like a Christian in the trenches. If those soldiers had spent the whole time just dreaming and playing the bagpipes, well, they might have driven the Germans mad, but um, they wouldn't have been good soldiers, would they? There is still work to do, preparing ourselves for home. Live in the same way that Christ lived. Seek to become like him. Show your love and concern for one another. And then finally, invite others home with you. If you've ever visited an orphanage in Africa, um, this is a picture of the, the orphanage in Senegal where I went last year, you must just want to sort of grab these children, take them home, give them a better life. Not saying the life in the West is necessarily better for them. But um, what are we here for? We're dreaming of home. You know, if home really is that better place, don't we want to grab people and just take them with us? Come, let me show you a better life. Many will refuse the invitation, thinking, actually, this is not a bad place. I'm quite enjoying it here. I can do what I want to do. But others will appreciate the invitation. Later, they will be eternally grateful to you. Let's thank the Lord now and pray for that day. Let's pray. Lord God, we live in a broken world and there is so much around us which is just not right. It's not how it was meant to be. But we remember that this is not home, that there is a far better place that you have for us. And Lord, we long for that day. We dream of that place. We want to prepare for that place. We want to invite others to go there with us. We thank you that you are there waiting for us and we long to meet you in person. So Lord, we pray for those who maybe have not actually put their trust in Jesus Christ as the one who can lead us there. I pray for anyone here this morning that um, is being called by you to make that decision to follow Jesus, follow him all the way home. And Lord, if that is already the place where we're heading, help us not to lose sight of it. Help us not to be worn down by the troubles of this life, but to look ahead to the best that is yet to come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh,